She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. work with teams uh, you know there's all sorts of benefits or you can realize that you're not so great at working with teams and you can try to do it <laughs> what would be best for both is the most unlikely to happen because mm. of because of that that situation okay, okay. all right so coming back to to the joint account <laughs> so this is my life by the way this is my life <laughs> It's coming from a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. Don't mistake that for being a lot of income. Now <laughs> <laughs> we make 20 bucks here, yeah. <laughs> 32 bucks over there. Oh man, why, why did you buy exactly. that hot tub? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> not there, Alistair, not there. I like that you think we are, we're not there. <laughs> we don't even have a place to put the hot tub. On the top of the camper. <laughs> put it on top of the camper. Wow, hello, beautiful people, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Far Out Podcast. Hello, hello, you're looking great today. Nice to see you there. Little sneaky pooch. Okay, that's... (laughs) What? I don't know, man. I don't know. I call people that I like by really weird names. You should know of all people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Hey, we are talking about money today. It's actually an, uh, an update on one of the very first few episodes that we did called How We Manage Our Finances as a Couple. And since then, we've gotten married and we've uh, lived in a lot of different places and now we are in the U.S. And so we thought it would be a good time to give an updated version because things have changed quite a bit. A lot has changed. And also, we wanted to share this because we've learned a lot and a lot has changed, as you said. And It's worked out really well for us. And so I think there's probably some insights in there for anyone else managing their money by themselves or or with a partner. All right. Well, we hope you enjoy this. Uh, Let us know and let's get into it. Well, let's get into it. Hello, all you far out people. Hello, everyone. How's everyone doing today? Not all at once. Not no. all at once. <laughs> It would be so cool if they could just respond right away. And we could... I'm doing okay. I'm feeling like crap. <laughs> Everything's wrong. It's great. Uh... <laughs> so before we get into this episode, we got a couple updates about things going on. Mm-hmm. The first one is over at Wild Within, uh, which is our retreat slash kind of community company. We're hosting a book club. It's free to join. We're going to be doing two sessions over the course of a few weeks. And and the first one is going to be this coming weekend. And we are going to be, we're reading and discussing the book, Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World Which Can't Stop Talking by Susan Cain. Uh, That pretty much started a lot of my journey with personality. So that must have been like seven years ago, Mm -hmm. six or seven years ago, I read that book. Whenever it came out, I think it's a great book about introversion and intro into that world. And it really got me down, going down the rabbit hole. 
Um, so if you'd like to join, we'd love to have you. Head on over to thewildwithin.org. You can find the book club in the community section. I'll put a link at the thefaroutlife as well in the show notes. And this leads me to... Uh, and it's free. It's free. It's free. So if you want to hang out with good people, talk about interesting ideas, and maybe learn something, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, we've had really good book clubs And so that so would far. be the, the following weekend after this episode comes out. That's right. Okay. So if... Act on it now. Uh If you want to do it, get in there. Bam. You don't have to. We'll be reading the first half of the book for the first for the first one, and the second half for the second meeting, which will be a couple weeks later. But you can come having read whatever whatever you're able to, and and talk about that. So uh, that's the first thing, and that leads into the second thing, which is in June, my business partner Kelly and I over at the Wild Within are going to be teaching our type workshop again. We taught this three times last year. Took about forty people through the program. We've seriously retooled it, and we are focusing on, we're basically going to teach it in levels now, Um, and this one is about leading from your wild gifts. So it's all about discovering your unique individual gifts, where that intersects with the world's greatest need, and where your personal niche is, and what what you might want to lean into. A lot of people don't uh, realize what they're really gifted at. Uh, A lot of people uh, have had those gifts discounted by others. And there, there are certain things that you are really good at that other people aren't. And I tend to think of these as wild gifts. Mm-hmm. And for me, Susan Cain's book around introversion really started to, to point me in that direction. And it was Jung's work on typology that really was an uh, amazing guide map for figuring that out. And I've seen that be true for extroverts and introverts of all kinds. When you explore this stuff in, in more detail, it can be life-changing. It can be transformative. So we're going to be introducing the fundamentals of, of some of that system and guiding you toward finding your gifts. Yep. And uh, we've, we've talked about this in the, on the podcast before in terms of how it's helped our relationship and how it's helped us individually to figure out who we are. And um, there's something so satisfying about knowing what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. That doesn't mean I don't need to work on the things I'm not good at, but uh, there's something pretty cool about knowing what I'm kind of exceptional at that other people aren't. So that's been really, type is great. Yeah. And when you can start to recognize the different types of gifts people may have, you can see them more often in others. It helps you work with teams. That, you know, there's all sorts of benefits. Or uh, you can realize that you're not so great at working with teams and then you can try <laughs> to do it. <laughs> but it helps you. I, it's always helped me kind of accept and embrace myself mm-hmm. more and then find where I'm, kind of uniquely designed to do mm-hmm. and be. Totally. So. I'm excited to see who joins this yeah. round. And again, if you want to sign up for that, that's at thewildwithin.org too in the uh, wild work section of the site. And I will also put a link for that in the show notes at thefireup.life. Very well. So today we thought we'd give a long overdue update on how we manage our finances. Ooh, always like talking about Yay. money. <laughs> I actually was looking through our backlog and the last episode we did on this and the only episode that we did on this was well over two years ago. I didn't realize it had been that long. Yeah, yeah, time flies when you're having fun. It's actually, we recorded that one right before we got married and I remember we knew that there was going to be a change right after we got married and that we probably would need to do, do another one and uh, well, we're approaching our two-year anniversary so now is as good a time as any. What was the name of that episode? I think it was like how we manage our finances.
finances as a couple. Yeah. It's one of the, it's like probably episode number five or six. Mm. It's one of the early ones that didn't even have the, it, it shocks my mind, my, my eyesight when I look at them because they don't have the far out number X. Uh, yeah. They Sis. just, they're just a title. And I'm like, oh, yeah. you should go back and change that. I know. I told our assistant to do it, but then <laughs> I got around to it. We should, we should fire that person. <laughs> Glenda we do not have an assistant Um, we do not we do not and she's not named Glenda uh, although that would be cool yeah so we thought we needed to uh, give an update because honestly it was mostly around the time we got married but I feel like we've made a pretty big shift and uh, it was around the time we got married but I feel like the shift really took place in Guatemala yeah 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 yeah. so about a uh, about a year maybe a year and a quarter ago I think we started to make the shift for real. Yeah, I think the shift was over the year 2019, yeah. basically. And and getting married and then and then moving out of France and in, in Guatemala was uh, definitely a big piece of that. We, maybe a recap of where we were right. back then, because I don't expect uh, all of you to go and listen to that old episode, The Far Out Couple. You should. It would be probably really interesting to hear us back then, but... Whatever. The general way that we were handling our finances is... So when we met, we were both traveling. And, you know, when you're traveling and you meet someone and you end up traveling with them, even if it's a romantic part, like relationship, there's kind of a sense of strong independence. Yeah. And and I think we were both very keen on that. Also, there can be some taboo about asking about the other person's money situation because it's directly related to how long they can travel yeah, and yeah, things yeah. like this. Yeah. So sometimes not everyone wants to share that. Yeah, well, I think we, we shared that together we pretty fast we because we realized that was directly impacting our relationship, right? Yeah. But And I think that was one of the things that made our relationship possible is that we both had... You had to put roughly, it on the table. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you have to know what you're working with. Otherwise, yeah. you don't like, know well, what might be motivating to, the other person. Yeah. And it's like, well, if you have to go back to your country in two weeks because you're running out of money and I can still travel for 10 years, we have a little bit of a problem. Yeah. It's not going to be it's not going to work out. So uh, our situations really en- ended up aligning pretty damn well. And uh, when we started sort of traveling together and then it bled into our more like okay we're living together now but in our case it was hard to know when that happened when did we move it we didn't move in together we have been living together since the day we got together yeah uh and so there was i mean maybe when we bought the caravan was a little bit of like a first step at that like okay we're investing into something together yeah um but in general our approach was you have your money i have my money Yes, we have common expenses when we shop for the household, but it, I, if I pay for it, I will write it on the board. Yeah, which we had the board. The board. Yeah. Basically, it, it was a piece of paper that told who owed what, and we kept a tally, and then every so often we would square that. And this works great, not just for couples, but for roommates mm-hmm. or close friends, because money can get touchy, and there's this thing that happens where if you're like, oh, no, I got this one. Oh, no, I got this one. Yeah. Someone ends up getting kind of feeling like they're not getting, that can lead to tension. Yes. Uh, And my experience has been, it's much better just to make that shit transparent and also to take the guesswork out of it. Like, is this much, is this enough of an expense to record? Everything gets recorded. Yeah. So there's none of these kind of like questions in gray areas. And so there's much less chance for confusion 
around money or things to go unsaid. It's all on the table. It's all on the board. Yes. It's a way to preserve relationships. I totally agree. I think if you're staying at people's for like, if you're staying at a friend's house for a week, it's different, right? But if it's an ongoing situation, I liked, and I know some people were weirded out by it, but I liked that we would record even if it was like a dollar, you know, like I think we had a limit and it was depending on the currency we were living in. I think right? it was it was under like one unit of currency of whatever was significant. Then we'd probably just round it or not care. But yeah, I mean, rupees, we were uh, a little higher than that. I yeah, think. yeah. But R- rupees, <laughs> sure. But I think it always amounted to about a dollar. In, yeah. in U.S. dollars. But here, here's the thing also, is that actually this allows you to be generous, right? Mm-hmm. Because because if you're doing this whole like, oh, I'll get you back next time or I got this one, whatever, right? Let's be honest. Everyone is keeping a tally to some degree and not everyone's tally is going to be accurate, yeah. right? Like it gets distorted over time as it's not checked with reality, right? So so you guys might both think the other person is is not paying their share, mm-hmm, right? Like mm-hmm. that can happen pretty easily and pretty fast, actually. Yeah. And then there's no record, and then it's just a belief and, and things like that. So you you kind of sort through that, so it's very clear. It takes some discipline, um, but the rewards are are pretty great. One is for us, we never thought about money. We never yeah. had to have any kind of talks about it yeah. in, in that sense because it was clear and it always had been. So there's a discipline to writing this stuff down. But once you agree, like, hey, anything above a dollar. We're gonna do this. It's not awkward. It's what you agreed. Yeah. You don't because otherwise it's like, oh, I got this, I got that. You, you we all have that feeling where if it's like, oh, it's a dollar fifty, I feel weird asking for that. Yeah, you know? yeah, I know. And but that so I don't like that. Maybe it's my INTJ ness, but I really don't like that kind of social awkwardness. But I think there's another benefit that maybe is not so quickly seen, but for me I felt, which is that it actually encourages generosity. And what I mean by that is that. When you know where things stand, it's much easier to give when you want to give just from your heart, right? So, like, at any time, you could decide, hey, this doesn't go on the board. This is my gift to you. Mm-hmm. But it's not an obligated gift. Yeah, yeah. So, it's actually a real act of generosity. Plus, if, uh, if for instance, I'm spending $30 and then I say to Alistair, you know, that doesn't go on the board, that's my gift— it appears that much more generous considering the fact that I recorded a $1.50 expense the day before, you know, and wanted to, you know, so it's like, oh, I'm not stingy, but. It makes, it's, I think it's managing, it's, it's much more intentional. No. And, and I think it leads to uh, better relationships and clearer communication. Yeah. And so we used to do this like manually. So we yeah. actually had a, we actually had a beaten down Ziploc from literally the day we started traveling together and it had like all the boards and it was just a piece of paper and we kind of tried to keep a tab and keep uh, keep all of them because sometimes we needed to go back and check on an expense or something but actually at a point where it wasn't as relevant I think but um, Kelly your business partner told us about this app called Splitwise which is actually doing exactly that except it's much more intuitive much simpler you just input the number you say you split it in two or or even more yeah it's it's great for groups so so if you need a money management thing like this the board I think Splitwise is is your I think if you end up using if you end up using Splitwise you should still call it the board because that's what we that's that's how we did it. Oh. Like put it on the board, it actually meant put it on split wise. So that was our approach, and it worked well. It worked well for us. I like the independence. I like the fact that there was no 
you know, joint account, which honest also on our side would have been a giant pain in the ass to try to figure out how to do that. Because I was, we were living in France, but not really fully living in France. You actually never change your residency to the, to France. And, and so it's like, it would have been impossible to try to figure out how to have a joint account as yeah. an international couple that wasn't even married and that was living in a caravan in the forest. Yeah. That made no sense. Also, at the time, I was against having a joint account, even when we were pretty well established, mainly because my sense of the... I think it becomes easier to spend when you share an account with someone, right? Because like it, it's just like... And also, again, it can be... Tensions can build up if like someone's not spending the same way you are, right? Mm -hmm. I, there's this thing that happens where it's harder to save and there's a slight bias towards spending mm. because it's like a prisoner's dilemma game almost, right? Mm -hmm. Where So a prisoner's dilemma is, is like there's two people that get pulled in by the, by the police for a crime, right? And let's say, let's say uh, they're, they're both guilty, but the cops don't know it. So they interrogate them separately, right? And basically the situation that each is in is if they squeal on the other person, they're offered immunity and they get to go, mm -hmm. right? So, but if neither of them talk, then they both will get to go. That's kind of the prisoner's dilemma situation okay. that it comes up in psychology. So, How does that relate to the money thing? I'm getting there. Okay. So okay. I got to explain um, the prisoner's dilemma. No, 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 that's good. I'm just like okay. actually curious. So I you don't... can imagine it like a quadrant, yeah. right? So there, there's, they both squeal, they both go to jail, uh -huh. right? There's one squeals, the other goes to jail. That's one quadrant. The other one is the other squeals and yeah, there, goes to jail. So, so one person gets out. And then there's like the, the golden square, right? Which is neither squeal, neither go to jail. Which tends to be the most unlikely to happen. Mm -hmm. What's what's more likely to happen is any one of the other three, because you have to trust that the other person's going to do it without knowing, yeah. right? And so, what would be best for both is the most unlikely to happen because mm. of because of that that situation. Okay, okay. All right. So coming back to to the joint account. <laughs> so, this is my life, by the way. This, this is my life. <laughs> this is not the first time we've talked about the prisoners' dilemma. No, but this is my life in general. Alistair goes into really abstract content. Oh, let's bring it down. Let's bring okay. it back down. All right, we're bringing it back. There's a similar thing going on in a shared account because if I don't spend a bunch of money, like. And you don't spend a bunch of money. We save more, right? And for us, that's a that's usually a goal, right? Yeah. That, that's beneficial for both. Yeah, yeah. But if you spend more, maybe you buy that fancy frappuccino latte, whatever. Uh -huh. And and I kind of go the aesthetic route. Like I can feel like I'm missing out, and you're you're kind of gaining. You're you're benefiting from my saving, and yeah. I I'm kind of being hurt by your excessive spending, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I think generally psychologically, this leads to us more likely both spending more mm -hmm. rather than saving. Got it. Okay. All okay. Right. Well, you know, I, it's it's nice to hear you reflect on that because I don't think, I think there's some truth in what you're describing and it's definitely something that could happen easily. But my approach with a joint account was always going to be just, let's buy our groceries with that. So we don't have to keep recording and keeping track. And then if I want a Frappuccino, I'll pay for my Frappuccino myself. Or, you know, like it, it, and worse of, worse of all, like, I think there's something pretty, like in my mind, it, it would have been, it's almost impossible to imagine that I would use our joint accounts to buy a dress or, a, you know, like something that like is like, I think it's very food and practical expenses related. It's like the way I think about a joint account is just like you have a wallet and 
both people put $20 on it. And instead of, you know, constantly, do you have 20 bucks? I have 40 bucks in this wallet so that when I go shop, I can just give that and yeah. I know it's equal. Maybe this is because you're French because as soon as you get married, right, you get, and this is what happened for us, is you get the option of like how you want to deal with your finances. And one of them is basically to create one massive joint account, which is both of your financial accounts. Like in, in, in America? Yeah, or in France. Yeah, like, I mean it's it's the kind of the default mode, right? In, in France, the, like the default in France is you get married and everything that you will earn after being married is owned by both. Right. And, so then you end up in that joint account situation that yeah. I was just talking about. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's true. No, and and I think that that leads to what we ended up doing. So for a while we were using the board. There was no joint account based both from a like ethical or you know like opinion standpoint that we didn't feel like it was the right approach for us but also because we couldn't from a from a very you know legal citizenship situation i think the philosophy has always been like set up the what's the default action like what default action do you want to encourage right like because we tend to be lazy Mm -hmm. and so like what however the system's set up that's going to encourage the way you act so we want to set it up in a way that encourages us to act in our best interest. So there's that. And the second one was clear communication. Clear communication. Yeah. How can we like not make money an issue? Yeah. I do remember, like now that you've mentioned the whole, you know, buying yourself a Frappuccino or whatever, I do remember that there was actually a time where it was a time where I was having a lot of digestive issues and I couldn't eat a whole lot of things. And you were able to eat a lot more things than I was. And I remember that we would go to the shop, buy everything together, like like one of us would pay for it. And then back home, I would have to look at the receipt and calculate what are the things that he's eating that I'm not eating and that I don't want to pay for. And it was hellish. Like now that I remember, it was like, I think I understand why I was doing it, but it's like, man, that was so much work. And to your point, it gets complicated, right? I know. It, it was like that was just being too nitpicky in some ways. I think, I mean, I understand it. I, I wasn't able to eat like half the things that was on there, but it felt like there must have been a way to do this that was easier. But, anyways, we then. Decided to get married. I got, we got engaged. It was very beautiful. And then, uh, and then we started planning the, the wedding and I started to look into what it would mean for our finances from a legal standpoint. So basically, as I said, in France, the, we got married in France and the basic thing that happens, the default setting is if you get married, then all the money that you will earn after your, your wedding date is shared like anything inheritance anything gets pooled into one big thing except like the money that you earned before that still is yours there's another like so that's the default and then you can have you have two more options but then you have to do the extra work for those options you have to go see like a notary and actually make that a thing the other option is you pool everything so everything that you've ever earned everything like everything becomes one under your union. And then the other side is the default, like the other option is the default is everything is separate. Everything remains separate in terms of finances, but you can decide to pull money together. For instance, if you buy a house or if you uh, have an account, if you put both of your names on it, it's both of yours. Yeah. So in that, so that to us seemed like the most obvious one to go for, for, for a couple of reasons. One is 
it gives you the most freedom to do what you want to do or design it your way, right? Like it's elective. So yeah. we could still do pretty much everything the other ones offered, in, but if we wanted to, but we didn't have to. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, that, that, makes, that makes sense. It does mean more communication and talking about it, but that hasn't been a problem for us. The other thing is that there was some incentive to do it for business reasons because both of us run businesses and sometimes they're in my name or your name or whatever. And, and uh, it limits liability, right? Like, mm-hmm. So if, if it's only in my name, people can't come after you for things related to me. Yeah. Um, so there seemed to be some sense in, in separating us that way as well. Yeah. And that, that felt like a good move. And I, I, we signed that paper before we got married. I remember I felt like we were, it was like the first step of us getting married. It was very, uh, very intense. I just the- remember the bill. I, cause in France, Man, you, you, you kept saying notary. So like in the US and notary, you go pay them like 25 bucks no, or 50 in bucks. France, oh, notary yeah, yeah, is I know. Shot. So you go, you go pay them 25 or 50 bucks and they stamp your thing and say, Hey, I saw you sign this. That's what it, <laughs> that's what it is in the US. So we go, we go in France and we show up and it's like a law office. And I'm like, what the hell are they? are notaries. You know? like, <laughs> okay. Whatever. Cool. And we come out of there and you're like, that was like, 400 euro or 500 euro for like our one meeting and setting this up. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? I think I had he no idea. The ground next yeah, to the I almost died of shock. Yeah. It's like I've never paid a notary that much in my life. Uh, Turns no. out. Well, weird. now you did. But yeah. it's probably a different word. Like that, that's the translation is probably not right. There's probably a different title in English for, yeah. for that. It's like a senior law part like it's a lawyer on steroids like it's it's more important they think it's more difficult to be a notary than it is to be a lawyer in france so that explains the attitude in that office (laughs) (laughs) anyway circling back to uh we got married and i think leading up to the wedding we felt good because we had secured the ability to do it the way we wanted to, right? So, like, that's why we paid X amount of money to have the notary, you know, testify and, and do the, do his job. Because now we could design it the way we wanted to, and it, it wasn't going to be imposed on us. And, and you know, if you know us just a little bit, that's kind of really important for us. And so I think we started... Maybe not right away, maybe not even before, like we probably got married and then started talking about it. But I remember there was a conversation that we were having for a few months before we made the plunge, which is how to figure out how are we going to handle our finances as a couple, as a married couple? Like, because to some degree, it started to feel really petty or, you know, just. And it was taking more energy than it was worth. yeah, Yeah. And it was also reinforcing the fact that we were individuals, mm-hmm. right? And we were trying to make this move to like one team, right? Mm-hmm. That was what a marriage is about. And our current setup didn't feel congruous yeah. with, with that. And so, but I also remember it feeling like it felt really risky mm-hmm. to like merge things. Like I've never shared my finances with anyone yeah. since I've I've been independent, you know? So like merging my accounts with you, I remember it wasn't something I was taking lightly. It felt kind of freaky. And I, I think you and I were both like un- hesitant, and, like a little unsure about it yeah. and, and feeling a little like it, it felt kind of risky. But on the other side, and it was hard to see from that side of it, but we had a sense like, okay, we need to merge our, particularly our income needs to be shared because we were both working for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And the problem was that in a way, it, it was kind of reinforcing 
an individual attitude, yeah. right? Because the money I made, I kept, and the money you made, you kept. And so for you to help me on a project or for, for you to cook food yeah. so that I could work all day or whatever, and I would receive the financial benefit of that. Mm-hmm. And and that that was a problem, and it was one that was going to be tiring and to renegotiate all the time. Yeah. It was going to likely lead to issues. Yeah. Um, so we were aware of that. I think I now I rem- now that we're talking about this, I remember that maybe it was like early on after we moved to Guatemala. So that was like a few months after our wedding. We had come to the conclusion that we should try to do something. It's like if you earned X amount and I earned X amount, we would do like a percentage of uh, and like redistribute it accordingly. So like because... The one thing that was really clear and that is continuing to be clear to me is that there is no way that I'm not going to have a personal account. Like I hear that some couples do that and it it blows my mind how people do that. I don't understand. It's like I need my own money. Otherwise, what do you do? You you use the common money to buy your husband a gift for his birthday? How does that even work? I don't know, but I I suppose that some people, my feeling is that I don't know how other people run. I don't. I don't know. Like I don't know. I'd like to know. I'm curious. But I guess a lot of times it's a shared account, and it's kind of like there's not a lot of tracking going on. This is the problem, though. It's like you for for us. I, I mean, I'm a money coach. I, I need to see things clearly, and mm-hmm. they, it needs to be. You need to know what's going on in your yeah. accounts, right? And I think there's a risk also when you do that kind of shared account, and everything's lumped into maybe one checking account and one savings account. You don't know what the hell's going on in there. Yeah. It's too complicated. Dude, I just got a I just got a visual memory of like a, a drawing that you made. Like Alistair gets into these modes when he's trying to map out strategic approaches for things and he either like will glue post-its on the wall and try to have a big visual or he'll like draw stuff on a on a pad. He's actually a pretty good drawer. Uh, but like Tell my third grade teacher. Well, that. she's she's a bitch. Miss uh, <laughs> <laughs> Eiler was awesome. Oh no. Okay. All right. I, I thought I thought I thought she didn't like what you were doing. That's why I said uh, she's a bitch. But anyways, <laughs> sorry. It sounds like you were great. I think she's probably passed. Oh man. Yeah. Rest. A in moment for Miss Eiler. Rest. Moment of silence. All right. Um, so yeah, Alistair was, he drew this thing with a bunch of arrows and buckets and things of like, okay, here are all the sources of income that we have. We're going to funnel them into uh, a, an account. And then from that account, we're going to redistribute it to our personal accounts. And then we're going to keep the board. I think that was something we were trying to do at some point mm-hmm. because it took us a long ass time to be able to get a, a shared account. So we had to do something like that. Uh, but now, as of now, the way we do it. I think one thing to just caveat here is our situation maybe can be complicated in the fact that one, we're an international couple, right? So like you said, it's hard to have a shared account. But the other one is that we have multiple sources of income. Uh, And at this point, like if I I were to look, it's coming from a lot of different places. Mm -hmm. Don't mistake that for being a lot of income. (laughs) (laughs) And we make 20 bucks here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> 32 bucks over there. Anyway, and we're both self-employed, right? It's not like I'm going to my salary job and bringing home the bacon. And, and, yeah, that and would be nice. It's not, it's, I don't know, there's, there's other, and we're not both just working a salary job or whatever. It's like there's a lot of sources of income. And so yeah. in some ways it was more complicated to 
to figure out. And and on the other side of this, it was energetical, right? Which is like we work on each other's projects, mm. and you tend we're business partners, yeah. and and you support me in a lot of things. Like even at Wild Within, you're like kind of a hidden business partner because you've helped me work through so much of that stuff, and you guide me when I need help and things like this. And vice versa with like your podcast producing and stuff. Like I've been a kind of silent partner over there. Totally. And so, and we wanted to encourage that, not to have a system that caused us to question whether we should spend that much time helping another person. Totally. We wanted to feel completely on the same team and basically not have separate incentives. Yeah, right. That was the problem say, is yeah. that up to that point, our incentives were always individual and we needed to share the incentives because then we were going to pool our resource. It was going to make us much more flexible because mm-hmm. then at any one time we're going to pool our resources in at least ideally, this is the hope in whatever way reflects the situation and will help us have more success with our businesses mm-hmm. because we're, sh- that was, that's what we wanted to figure out how to do. How do we psychically uh, pool all of our energy and I think that's a that's a really good point because more so than trying to figure out practically how we're going to do it and and start there we started from what's the feeling we want to create with our finances how do we want to feel true. about the about our finances and then from that overarching intention we figured out the best approach possible at different stages, which is why when we didn't have a shared account, it made a lot more sense to... Transparency. We wanted yeah. it to feel clear. We wanted it to feel fair. And yeah. then later on, what became most important, I think, two things is one, we wanted to feel like we're on a team and not worry about nitpicky, like who's doing what. Mm-hmm, da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's still that, right? Like we're only talking about it as ra- around finances. There are other aspects of work and you know, doing things we we care about and passion and stuff like that. Yeah. But on the fi- we wanted the financial thing. It's already so complicated. It's like get the financial thing out of the fucking way. Mm-hmm. You know, like let's not make that another problem because that one, that's a particular one that can really stop you in your tracks. And right? that can actually be easily fixed. Yeah, it can. And so that that was the first part I think is we wanted to feel on the same team and feel like we could be flexible and respond to a whole wide host of situations. Whereas if we're acting as individual actors, all of a sudden it becomes pretty complicated and you're not as fluid. So mm-hmm. that was the first. And I think the second one is we wanted to preserve a sense of independence and freedom for mm-hmm. ourselves individually. Um, like we didn't want to have to check every purchase by the other person. Yeah. Um, so so that was also, and I think, I don't know, for me this felt like a big deal. I mean, money's always been important to me it's i've always thought about money a lot i always think about it as flow of energy right we we call it cash flow i Mm. mean um it's it's one of the animating forces in our in our world yeah Uh, so like merging these things was a very spiritual yeah it was like going from like me it, it was a real it felt real in the whole going from me to going to us. Yeah, in some ways, like that was that was probably one of the most important steps we took after our wedding. Yeah, like, I the think wedding so. felt that way already, but it was a one event, and then it's like this kind of locked it that in. That was like the integration of the event like, yeah. of the okay. Now it's uh, we're us. I can't imagine if we hadn't done it. Yeah, like, I, I think I it, don't think we'd be nearly as, as successful. I think we would have had a lot more arguments. Things would be a lot tougher. I, I agree. And I think uh, I think we would have a harder time thinking about ourselves as a unit. And I think we really do. We refer we think about ourselves as a family, 
even though it's just the two of us, but we are a family. Yeah. And so whenever opportunities come in, we're, you know, we can have a much easier conversation about like, okay, is that for you to go after? Is that for me to go after? Like we're thinking about it as a small organization, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And like, we're going to reap, we're going to both reap the rewards. And that allows us also to kind of assign whoever might be best fitted to deal with that. Yeah. Um, So what we do now is basically uh, we, we share our, we basically decide to share all our sources of income, any income that comes in, there's one area where, where this is not totally the case. And we'll get to that in a sec, but any income that comes in mm-hmm. is comes into a shared account. Basically, you can think about it conceptually this way. It comes into a shared account. And then from there, it can go two places. It can it can stay as a shared in a shared account, which is where we spend groceries and electric bills and utilities and all these kind of things that you share as a family. Mm-hmm. Or it can be divvied up equally into our individual accounts. Yeah. So so it either stays in that shared account for shared expenses. Or it goes into our individual accounts. So our individual accounts are still there. We still have the freedom to make our own purchases and we do not have to run it by the other person. Thank God, because if you lived with Alistair, you would know that's critical. <laughs> My God. He's, I, I think for three days about buying a puzzle. Three, four, maybe a week sometimes. And I, Is it really worth it? I don't know. And that's my money still. So it's like, he's bled on, like, he's he's influenced my, my thinking. I love it. I appreciate it very much. Well, it's very intentional. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we have, we have those individual accounts. And I, I am a firm believer that when you spend individually, I mean, it's a way for, when it's a shared account, you have joint responsibility. And in some ways, I just think it's easier to let things slide and, and get into maybe not the best financial habits. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to happen, but I think it's more likely by default to happen because of the way the system's set up. Yeah. When you're spending individually, you're in control of those purchases. You're you're more responsible, you're accountable, and you know it's your money. Right? Yeah. And so I think that does something that it's kind of just a natural way of, of checking and making sure you want to spend things. At least for us, it is. Mm-hmm. I know that's not the case for everybody. I think in some ways, like we, we found each other, like we're a really good fit money wise in the sense yeah. that I've always thought about money, not so much in the same way that you do, but I think money is really important for me in terms of decision making and independence and who has a say in what yeah. uh, I think I wanted to be independent from my parents and earn my own money really early because even though they never really made me feel that way I always felt that if they were paying for my apartment or my things that they had a say in how I lived my life and so it's like even to the most basic things like the most the simplest things that still shows up for me like if I want to buy something that costs $10, but I know is going to be only for me and is only for my pleasure and my enjoyment. I want to pay for it myself. Not so much because I want to respect the the rules, although that's, that, that's part of it, but because it's for me. I don't want it to, I don't want to pay for it with a, with a shared account. And then later you saying, well, I kind of own half of that. Yeah. Or, or me critiquing your decision yeah. after the fact, like, oh man, why, why did you buy exactly. that hot tub? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> not there, Alistair, not there. I like that you think we are. We're not there. <laughs> we don't even have a place to put the hot tub. On the top of the camper. <laughs> put it on top of the camper. But so, yeah, we, 
to be also very transparent, there, it's not like there's been a ton of extra income to divvy up between ourselves at the moment. But I think the way I think about it is income is shared and we can have pocket money from that account. Yeah. That's kind of how, instead of like divvying it up equally, it's more like, okay, this month, I th I would like to have uh, to inject some money into my sh my personal account and let's say it's two grand. Well, we're gonna do two grand for you too. If yeah. I take some, you take some so, as well. So what you might realize, listener, from this is that it takes a fair amount of communication and it takes utter transparency. And yeah. and I think those they're just those that's just good hygiene <sighs> if you're going to share financial accounts with somebody, right? Like so testify. Yeah, you you got to be able to put it all on the table. Preach it. Yeah. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> just transforming. Okay. Um, you starting to look really douchey. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, I want to back up for a second because you're talking about like the freedom to make decisions, mm -hmm. right? And I think this is an important point because we do have similar money attitudes. We're both fairly frugal. We're both fairly intentional. Mm -hmm. I never think about it. Like I, was, I think other people look at me and say I'm, I'm somewhat of an ascetic. It's never felt that way for me. It's always felt like... No, I use my money for, like, I use it for different reasons. And it's not always to have things. Mm -hmm. It's that it's, it's, some of them are less tangible than that. It's to have options and possibilities and, and things like that. Anyway, our attitude, our joint attitude toward money is a large part of what has allowed us to live the life we're living, mm -hmm. which is in a lot of ways very free, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not totally free or anything. We have our own limits and there's things we're negotiating and navigating, but, we're able to live a fairly independent life that allows us to follow those threads of curiosity and interest and passion. And I think a lot of that comes back, you know, if you follow someone who does that, right? A lot of times you're going to, you're going to go, if you, if you follow up deep enough, you're going to see that they have a healthy relationship with money that allows them to do that. Mm -hmm. Because if, if you're dependent on someone else or, or in whatever way financially it's going to compromise your ability to follow the path that's best for you. Because mm -hmm. at a lot of times, that path is not going to be in the interest of other people. And so if you do not have that independence, that freedom, it's going to be very hard for you to do that, whether you realize it or not. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it may be at an unconscious level, but there's going to be, like you said about how you want to make a $10 purchase, so you don't want me to think about it. There's a lot of invisible pressures, which we may or may not be aware of, that go into money. That's why this is such a sticky situation, right? Mm -hmm. And so... You you want to kind of avoid as many of those as possible, right? Like, you know, for example, in a relationship, you're if 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 I'm a young woman and I'm with an older man and he's giving me a lot of money, that's not free, right? It, like all like this is why people don't accept gifts if they don't want to have a relationship with that person, mm -hmm. right? Like we, I think we've all been in that situation. Someone tries to give you something. And and you just feel bad. You don't want to accept it if if you're not interested in having an ongoing relationship with that person, yeah. right? Because yeah. because there are things that come with that. There are social obligations and psychic psychic situations, right? Mm -hmm. And so we know instinctively to decline a gift from somebody that we do not want to continue a relationship with. That's yeah. like common sense almost. So I think this stuff is is really important. Uh, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I was waiting to see how you were gonna like wrap this up as a grandiose uh, word and, and speech. And, but yeah, I think it's really great. It's, it's a, really it's a building block. <laughs> it's foundational. And I think it like some of the the higher you know windows of this like church or cathedral that that we're building is you know some of the stuff that's more tangible that you can see. Mm-hmm. But I think it starts with, and this is why I. I work with people around money and why I'm very passionate about that because I think it's, and I tend to work with people who are, or, uh, trying to move, get started in a new direction, Mm -hmm. right. Financially, but also in their lives. They want to move in a direction that calls them, that feels more authentic, more true Mm -hmm. for them. Those are the people I work with, with money. Those are the basically the only people I, I really care about working with. I don't care about helping someone get hordes of cash or power or things. I want to help them gain the resources they need to step into their one life. And I, and I think it usually starts with money mm-hmm. in some way or another. Mm-hmm. Or I, that's a huge component that you have to sort out. Yeah. And I think a lot of lives get stopped short because that never gets sorted out. Yeah, it. I'm really glad of the way that we approach it right now. I think it's pretty healthy. And our communication around money has always been really clear and transparent. And I think when there's something that feels weird, we always talk about it and it's pretty rare. I, I I can't even remember the last time we've had a conversation that felt weird about money. I think that's one of the interesting things about making this move is for us as independent people financially, it felt risky mm-hmm. to merge things in this way where we share all our income. And the one category that I mentioned that we don't totally share is gifts. If, if money is given to one of us in particular, that is for them, mm-hmm. and they can choose if they want to share that or not. Yeah, rare situation, and, but but the default the default is no, we don't share it, right? Yeah, it's that's like the it default. doesn't it doesn't. It's really bring important up to think about what the default is. I know because, and I think that was one of the most impactful things you said to me around money is like this idea that, or and not just money, man is. If we don't have a default system and, and a system that supports us, we end up having to make micro decisions all the all the live long day. You have no roots. You have you have you have no like you're always swimming in the decision. Yeah. yeah. And and honestly, that just doesn't that's a it's terrible exhausting. Yeah, that's a really bad way to live, especially if your energy is needed to work on different projects and to build your life. Yeah. Like you need all your energy. So, so you need to sort out defaults that you're okay with and in this case your partner is okay with. That where you don't have to think about it. That's yeah. what happens. And if you want to do something different, try to build in the freedom to do something mm-hmm. different, right? Yeah, and a lot of the time, I think that I think that a lot, like not not everyone, but I think a lot of people have default systems that they've put in place for themselves, but they're more unconscious. They're inherited, and they're usually not thought about. Yes. And they don't always, oftentimes, when I work with people, I find this out almost every time, they don't serve them, mm. and they don't serve the goals they're really trying to get to. Yeah. So they're fighting against their own default system. So it, it's much easier than like doing an act of will to fight against that system. Mm-hmm. It's much easier to go down to kind of outline like the basic principles and reorganize them mm-hmm. in a way that's going to to set you in the right direction. Then all of a sudden, instead of swimming upstream, you're going down with downstream with the current. Yeah. So much easier. And it takes so much less power and or energy, I should say. And that's important too, because money is energy management. And so once once you do that, you also get your physical and mental and psychic energy back. And then you can use that in much more productive ways than than like basically being disoriented around around how, how you're handling money. I think we all have had different situations, whether it's with money or maybe it's with diet or whatever, 
these are these are complex things, mm-hmm. right? Like there's a lot going on there. And if we don't have a gr- like a grounded system for it, it's exhausting and disorienting, right? Like I've had that with diet in the past where it's like if I don't know why I'm doing things or if I don't have anything set up, every decision is just exhausting and sooner or later I give up, mm-hmm. right? And then I default to the donut mm-hmm. or whatever. So it's really really helpful to think these things through because because they they will serve you. Yeah, one more thing I'll say probably before we wrap up is um, I suspect this is going to be something we ongoingly check in yeah, it's on not... the podcast and, and like kind of because, for instance, right now, it's not like there's a ton of money pouring in to the point where we have to think about how we're going to handle savings and investments, for instance. As our right? financial like... situation has changed, old systems no longer work. Yeah. Right. And so you. There is a creative aspect of like we don't solve this once and and are done. Like we have to revisit it, mm-hmm. and and again, this comes back to communication. But so so it, it's in stages, and mm-hmm. at some point, I think you know, in the past, we've had feelings where like, oh, this isn't really working anymore, mm-hmm. and then we need to talk about it, and then we need to kind of figure out okay, what's not working. So this forces conversations yeah. that I think are healthy to have rather than leave underground, right, and find out ten years later. Mm-hmm. Because um, money is one of the biggest reasons people divorce. Yeah. So this is something important to to really deal with and to continue to revisit mm-hmm. as a couple, knowing that a vast majority of divorces are because of money. Yeah. Um, so that's a pretty scary thought. Yeah. And so and and our situation's always always changing. So mm-hmm. this may not work later on in our life if if our financial situation or the way we make money changes quite a bit. Um, so it's something we have to come back to every so often. And we do do that. We have a financial check-in system. It's the same one I actually teach with And coaching. we were supposed to do that like 15 days ago or something. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we're a little slow to get to it, but we, we always but get we to it. But we tend to do it quarterly at this point where we both do a financial checkup. Mm-hmm. And then we meet together and share our financial situations and do a group financial mm-hmm. checkup. Mm-hmm. It's kind of called the monthly check-in, but for us it's... It's more like three, sometimes four months. Sometimes six. (laughs) (laughs) But it gets done. It gets done. Yeah. So going back to this decision, it felt really risky. We have hardly thought about it since. Because it's hard to say. It's like one of those things like marriage. But once we did it, it's like our, our... it was a psychological shift. Totally. And we had a sense that it was going to be. But it was hard to see to the other side of that gap. Um, and know if it was going to work. It's absolutely worked, though. It, it it's, has, it's, yeah. It's marshaled our resources in much more effective ways. And we are never, I mean, we think about money, but we're never talking about this aspect of money. Yeah. We're, we're focused on bringing more money in for the household or how we're managing it. And our duties have kind of naturally uh, delineated from there. Um, and I would say that it's, it's worked epically well up it, to this point for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's felt really magical and important for us to build our family and our sense of unity and what we're creating as a team, as a tandem. I think it's important to mention that you do work as a money coach and you also work with couples. Yeah, yeah. So I have kind of a system I take people through, which is around approaching money from a spiritual sense mm-hmm. and thinking about it as uh, managing energy. 
And I think what's really cool about it is that yes, you do. You it, there's a very spiritual and a reverence towards money. It's not like manifesting money though. No, or like go put a dollar some, bill above your like headboard and then like visualize you that. You can still do that. It's if very you pragmatic want. and practical. That's what I was gonna say. It's like that's kind of a great definition. It, this there's program, a reverence for money. This a reverence program is Alistair in a in a in a little bundle. It's there's something highly spiritual and reverent about it, and and respectful of higher energies. But it's also super grounded and practical and numbers and spreadsheets. And uh, it's, it's basically five sessions. And we go from like just core aspects in simple ways, too. It, it's simple, but not always easy. Mm-hmm. But we kind of really try to boil it down and help first off, start help, helping people get clarity around their money. Mm-hmm. So I always start off with people's stories and, and where they're coming from and then move into developing awareness around their situation and then building systems that are going to set up the right kind of defaults, and then also working with people to figure out what does it mean for them to spend money intentionally. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean, you know, I'm not assuming the goal for everyone is the same, which is just save as much money as possible. Mm -hmm. But what I'm assuming is everyone wants us to get the most value out of their money and spend it on things that really matter. So the process takes us through kind of figuring out where they are with money now and really owning that. Because knowing where you are with money, even if it's a tough situation, is much better than not knowing where you are with it. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we set up a system that's going to serve their values and their goals. And I would say the results from this have actually surprised me. Because this is a system that I used. And then I was asked to teach it to some friends. And I had a lot of results. And then I started offering it as a as a program. Mm. And I still get messages from past clients. I've been teaching this for several years now. And like what they've been able to do after doing this work, which, you know, it's work and they're and they're the ones doing it, is astounding. Yeah. I mean, they've saved thousands, sometimes ten thousand, you know, twenty thousand. They've put money in their savings account they've never had. They've mm-hmm. financial freedom. They're able to make financial choices that they've wanted to but could never reach before they feel paid paid off a lot of debt Mm -hmm. so freedom uh independence i mean all these things um that that financial gurus talk about (laughs) (laughs) well uh if you want to reach out to alistair you can do so at uh, info at the far out dot life yeah yeah you can uh shoot us an email and i'd be happy to talk about money with you Well, thank you for listening. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to talk about money. I enjoy it. I, I have a lot of fun talking about <laughs> Alistair money. Alistair loves it. Alistair <laughs> loves it. I'm a finance major, so... Yeah, finance major, money coach, all the things. Humor all the me. Things. Humor, Humor me. me. <laughs> we hope you got something out of this episode. Um, if you did enjoy this episode and if you enjoy the podcast in general, there are three ways that you can support us. Yeah. The first one is you can become a patron at patreon.com slash couple. That's yeah. us. The second one is you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really uh, helps a lot. Surprisingly, it's an algorithm thingy. Like when you leave a review, we show up more easily for people yeah. who search for us or just, who search for our keywords. It also just makes us feel good. It does. And that's really the best part, honestly. Yeah. Uh, who cares it's about the algorithm? It's good for morale. Uh, yeah. How do you think we keep doing this every week? I know. Week? We need people <laughs> we to tell us. It's, it's the, not just going we, into a void. Yeah. No. The, the, every so often we hear back and it's wonderful. 
wonderful. Um, and the last thing is, please share this with a friend. If yeah. this episode or any other past episode resonated and you think your friends would benefit and maybe it would start a conversation between the two of you, go or ahead. Or family members. You yeah, know. or family members. That's what we want. Yeah. Maybe not strangers. They might think you're kind of weird. No. <laughs> you could try. I just don't know how effective that'll be. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we'll see you next week. Toodles. Toodles. Toodles.